or he might end up taking his kids fishing and it just just because he realized that this is something we pass on and and or or the neighbor kids you know um that that's what's so fun is i think um i've had the privilege of helping a, about a hundred people build boats like long boats you know in the last 20 years and and that's so fun to watch a kid whether they're going to hunt or not just to do a project like that work ethic just start a project and finish a project and i had some parents come in and say my daughter wants to build a bow like what what are we even getting into here and i was like well this is it's just fun it's just archery and then i'm hunter jordan i'm colin blaylock and welcome to the great lakes experience today's episode is brought to you by big al's baits regular old bluegill flies to anything custom you could think of Big Al's has you covered shoot them a message on Facebook and Al will get you hooked up ladies and gentlemen welcome to episode 8 we have two very special guests with us this week after a week off last week I was down in Texas fishing a tournament, um, and Colin had a bunch of other stuff going on back up here in Michigan, uh, so we weren't able to scrounge up an episode last week, but we're back with a bang because we have the owner of Shifty's Seasoning, and we have the regional sales manager of Shifty Seasoning with us as well. We have Shifty Shiflet and Friedrich Thacker. Um, how are you guys doing? Good. We're, we're doing well. Sweet, man. So what have you guys been up to? Um, how's life going? Yeah, Go ahead, going, Freddy. Um, it's going well. Just got back from uh, Florida and California, going to a food expo, and uh, finally snow's going away and it's getting a little bit warmer, so feels feels pretty good not cooped up all day and being in the clouds. So how big are those food expos out there? Yeah, it was, it's the largest food expo in the United States, if not the world. So there was like, it was in Anaheim, California. So you like walk in to this big, like, uh, kind of like an arena, almost like multi-level place. And they're just packed with like vendors everywhere. From you got guys like uh I don't even know, like who is it? Uh Stubb Liver God was there, like Stubbs, barbecue sauce, like places like that. And you're like, yeah, I've seen you guys on Instagram and TikTok and in stores. Simply organic was there, stuff like that. You're just like, that's pretty cool. That is so we've talked about Shifty's a little bit on the show before, um, but Shifty, um, give us a little rundown of what you've got. Well, we've got three blends right now, and and we have the the classic, which is I, I don't really know exactly how we labeled it the classic, other than that's the original. And uh, when people want to know, like you know, what is it? I'm like, it's just a classic, basic, all-purpose season. And, you know, it, it started years ago, uh, bringing a mule deer home, you know, mule deer, 
stage. And so they, uh, you might want to take it easy with like an oregano stage uh, seasoning because it can just really put the flavor over the top. And so I'm uh, trying to mellow that down a little bit. Uh, some Western guys kind of talked to me about putting a little coffee on there and, uh, you know, kind of, um, how do you say, like, uh, getting that, that sage flavor to just kind of go down a little bit. And then, you know, everyone uses the garlic, pepper, and kosher salt. And that's kind of like the, the I'm, I'm learning, it's like the, the golden trio of seasoning, you know, and then people put their flavors in. But we use an under, onion powder, and then we, we add coffee. And we get our coffee made at, in Grand Rapids, Michigan at Shul Coffee Company. They, they do our coffee for us. And they just do a fantastic job, you know, putting together a, a super consistent product for us to, to put that in. But I think it comes down to, you know, we, we say it over and over again that we work hard for our food, you know, whether you're a farmer or a hunter or a fisherman, um, we work hard for it. And, and even if you're not one of those three, you, you know, you know, if you're a physical therapist or whatever, you, you work hard for the money to buy good food. And, and so, um, the idea that, that you're going to just slap some, you know, cornstarch, or sugar laced um, seasoning on there. That's that I think is like um, maybe not the quality of some of other things out there. Um, for us, it was just a matter of trying to produce a premium product to put on the food that you worked hard to get. And I mean, you guys know, I mean, you're fishermen and you, you fish all day and you come home with one salmon or one trout uh, it's a trophy, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, if, if, if it's a catch day and not a release day, then you, you want to make sure that that's worth it, you know, and yeah, cold exactly. hands, cold feet. And, uh, how many times, you know, I drag deer a long way and, uh, or, or packed out meat and, and I, I'm just not going to put shake and bake on it or, or ketchup or something like that. You know, I, 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 and I, and I'm not bad mouthing. I'm not here to bad mouth other companies, you know, and, but it's like, I just want the best ingredients I can get to put on my plate, you know? Yeah. It's really interesting because it's such a simple blend of a couple of ingredients, five ingredients, but it accentuates flavors so well. That's what, that's my favorite part about it. And that it, it really goes good on everything. I mean, yeah, it does. What, all, what all of you used uh, so far? The first thing you gave me a couple, you gave me a classic and a red. And the first thing I cooked on it was put it on chicken for um, chicken Alfredo. And I remember oh. you saying, this is the best chicken Alfredo he's ever had. And you just <laughs> took a bite of the chicken. I said, it's good. And I started putting on eggs and everything. And even on eggs, I mean, you drink coffee with your eggs. I've never really put a coffee rub on my egg before, but it works. Um, right. Talking about the coffee, though, does the coffee you guys implement into your seasoning, does it go through any different processes than it would for, like, just making a cup of coffee in the morning? No, I think it's um, – it, it's a it's a good grind 
it's a fine ground as well. So it's not like a coarse grind. So it's more like an espresso grind. Um, and we feel like it, if it does anything, I feel like it makes every bite taste like the first bite. And, you know, a lot of times when you bite into a good steak, if it tastes as good near the end of that New York strip, you, you've done something right, you know, because yep. let's face it, you know, as, as we're starting to fill up our, our neurotransmitters start to fire a little less and they're like, okay, I'm getting full and things like that. But we found it. And, and this is the comments we get from a lot of people. It's like my meal tasted just as good at the end as it did at the beginning. Yeah. Making that first bite and that last bite, the best bite. Right. Right. And I, and, and I contribute some of that to, we use diamond kosher salt and it's definitely more expensive than some of the other brands, but this is kind of like, I'm an old science teacher retired and you know, all these different salts and, and, and crystals form a little differently and diamond kosher salt is a different crystal configuration and it, 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 we've talked to so many other chefs and seasoning people, people who really appreciate quality ingredients. And they're just always like, yeah, if you're using a diamond, it's like one of the best salts you can get, you know, that's consistent. And, and they, I mean, diamond offers a great product and, and, and uh, we're, I mean, I can't imagine using anything else right now. Yeah. So kind of, so, you have a huge background in the outdoors, whether it be hunting, fishing, pretty much. I know you grew up doing a lot of that stuff. Um, you're a big advocate of um, traditional bow hunting. Um, I get harped on a lot for using a compound bow still. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so do you think being in the outdoors, do you think that influenced you to start the business a little bit? Well, I think, you know, I'm going to clear this up because – I wasn't raised in a hunting family and which a lot of people are surprised to hear that. Like I learned this, uh, but, but I was an outdoors kid and didn't know it. I was becoming an outdoorsman kind of on my own. I think it's in my DNA. Um, I just got results from 23 and me back a little while ago. And it says like 78%, you know, Neanderthal or something like that. And I'm like, right on, you know, that makes sense. So, uh, I think for me, uh, I studied biology. I always had an interest in nature. And I wouldn't say that I walked through the woods taking a bite of everything. But I was a kid that when I learned that you could chew on a sassafras twig, um, I was chewing on one every chance. If I passed a sassafras twig, I've got a pocket full of little branches to chew on the rest <laughs> of the day. you know. And when I, when I learned that you can eat this little plant in your backyard or or like wood sorrel that grows right in your lawn that you can put that on your salad. And it's got like a bitter, um, like, uh, kind of like thinking of it. There's some other like, um, uh, arugula. It's got that bitter, uh, lettuce taste. It's, it, you start to realize that our food comes from all around us. Mm -hmm. And I remember hunting in, uh, Quebec, uh, way back in 2001 and 2003 and the guides there would go out and get some herbs or some plants right from where we got the caribou 
and they'd use that in the pan with a little butter and saute some of that fresh uh, harvest right there on this, like that day. And, and you realize I'm never going to be able to cook caribou. Like, Oh, the privilege of getting to eat it in the ecosystem with the berries or the twigs or the natural flavors like the, the Inuits would have eaten it. You're like, what a privilege, you know? And, um, you know, it's like you, you know, if you've ever caught, you know, a cutthroat trout out West and it's got a row in it and you just eat that row right on the spot, you know, it's just, you don't put it in a pan. You, you harvest that and just eat it right there. And you realize that you're tasting, um, the most pure form of a freshwater fish you ever could, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you started the company, I remember, I, I remember when you were first getting it started, we were at, we we're at church and you said, I've got two tons of salt and pepper coming to the shop. And I kind of <laughs> chuckled, I kind of chuckled and you said, no, I've got two tons of salt and pepper coming to the shop. Right. And I said, this is it. We're going for it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it was really sweet to start to like, see like everything build and, just the community that we've grown, whether it be people who are in the outdoors industry or not, it's all through the group on Facebook or just like word of mouth. Everybody is kind of like meshed together to share recipes and all that sorts of stuff. Um, what would be, what would be your favorite like wild game recipe to use with, with shifties? Both of you. Um, I'll let Freddie go first on this one. So I think uh, obviously venison, like venison is just always going to be good. I eat it like once, you know, multiple times a week. Uh, But honestly, uh, wild pheasant, we were out in South Dakota in 2020 and we shot a couple birds and we, uh, I got one out and just left it whole and did a, I love Shifty's Red, love that cayenne and paprika. So I did like a 48 hour dry brine in the fridge, just rubbed it down and then smoked it for two hours. And it got this nice crispy outside and like you could taste the pepper in it. And you're like, yeah, this is, this is what it's meant to be. Like, this is like living like Kings, just like, it was so good. I, I really like it on pheasant a lot. So, um, it's kind of, kind of one of my favorites, one of my treats. I think the, uh, I think the red is great on all poultry. Um, I think it's great on, um, wild Turkey. I'll do like some, I'll just breast and thigh my Turkey, cut the meat off into little cubes, roll it in a little shifties red, wrap it in bacon, and then just put it in a little roasting pan and just bake it in the oven for, you know, just sometimes depending on how big the, the chunks are, you have to test it with a fork, but you, you pull that out and, and it's like, you know, and, and some people constantly joke when I use bacon in a recipe and they're like, well, you can put bacon on anything and it tastes better, but how do you know it's your seasoning? Well, I did an experiment. I took bacon and put it on a cookie sheet and I put shifties classic on the on it and shifties red on some and it's a little bit it sounds a little bit blasphemous to say but like we make bacon better like it's just <laughs> like you're, you're like how do you do that and it's i think it's 
the fact that it it's not loaded with salt and it's not loaded with any one flavor, but you would get this little unami like of this little marriage of all these flavors. And then to me, what's unique is I think Shifty's classic tastes different on venison than it does on pork. Yeah. Because you can taste the meat. It's not covering the flavor. It's not, it's not like a cover scent or cover flavor. It's a food enhancement. And like, if I'm eating lamb, it's because I want to eat lamb and I want to taste the lamb. If, if I'm eating elk, it's, it's a massive privilege to eat elk. I mean, it's, it's a big animal, but anyone knows that this elk hunter knows how hard it is to get one. So when someone shares a little elk meat with you or you have the chance to get one, you want, I, I want to taste the elk. I don't want to roast that thing and make it taste like beef. If that's the case, I, I would never hike to 11,000 feet again. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. I would, I would hike to Meyer, you know, <laughs> and, uh, at, at 850 feet above sea level. You know? yep. And, uh, but I think I use Shifty's classic and I crush pistachios and I roll a venison backstrap in the pistachio shifty shifty's classic blend and then i grill that and take it off and slice it into medallions because i grill that you remember i did the backstrap hole yeah and 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 then you slice it you get that that medium rare to rare middle when you get that outer edge of that that outdoor nutty pistachio flavor with the classic blend in there as well it's just, and it's just a little crust on the outside. Now it's like, I mean, you can't buy that mm-hmm. anywhere. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not available to the general public. And to me, I think when Freddie talked about the pheasant, he loves the bird hunt. I love the red on pheasant as well, but it's like finding that one thing that you realize I can sit in the cold, deal with hypothermia deal with you know potential frostbite or spend an unbelievable amount of hours in a tree stand and get that tree stand back to get that get that deer or get multiple deer because that's what we eat you know and yeah to me it's creating those combinations yeah exactly so off the hunting section, I'll segue into the, uh, so I, I actually never realized that you didn't grow up hunting. When were you, yeah. when and how were you introduced to it? Well, I met my wife and, uh, she, I can hear you laughing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was around, you know, I loved to fish and my, my dad, um, he was raised differently than me and he was in the city and, and I think he always equated when he went fishing as a boy, it was because they were hungry, you know, tail end of the depression, you know, and, and he's like, I don't want to fish. If I got time to fish, I'll get another job, you know, <laughs> and so to him, fishing was kind of equated with bad memories of like, we got eight kids in the family and we need to eat. And to me, it was like fishing was being outside and I don't have to be in school. I don't have to go to work. Um, and so when I met my wife and we started hanging out, I started to meet her uncles and they were big, they grew up 
up hunting and her grandfather and grandmother, um, her, I mean, her grandfather and grandmother, uh, her grandmother's still alive. She's 94 and right up. I think she got her last Turkey at 90 or 89. And her grandfather was in a Turkey blind in his like maybe 90 or 91 and was having a stroke and went to the hospital. And the doctor said, I need you to stay for test. And he said, no, I only have uh, two more days on my Turkey tag. And, (laughs) I got to get back out there. And the, the doctor said, uh, there'll be more Turkey season. And he goes, I'm 91 years old. Can you put that in writing? <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, I'm not going to take that bet. You know, I'm not going to risk that. And so to me, um, being around people that it became their passion, like I don't ever remember eating hamburger at grand Betty or grand Bob's. Yeah. I, one of the first times I met her uncle Tom, you know, there had been an, uh, a moose car accident just outside the park in West Yellowstone. And one of his friends was in law enforcement right there and says, Hey, can you do something with this baby moose or this young moose? I just want to get it off the road. I'll write your permit. Just get it out of here. You know, we got tourists here. And so he went and got it and, and butchered that. And we were having the stew from like a, six month old or five month old moose for dinner. Oh my goodness. And, and, you know, I just thought this is like this, it was, again, I think sometimes in life, our DNA meets something, you know, who we are inside meets something that we've never experienced in life. And we're like, Oh, this, this is a connection, you know, internally, like on the cellular level. Yeah. And my taste but were screaming. Yeah. Get a bow. <laughs> get, get into this archery. And I used a, I, they had a compound bow hanging in the barn and I shot arrows for the next four days with her uncle. And, and they all laughed. Cause I, you know, I couldn't hit, I couldn't hit the ground, you know, <laughs> it was like, you know, arrows were going everywhere, but I came home and started hunting. And, and one of the first years, I, I hunted uh, for a year and I got it my first year with a bow at like 26 or 27 years old. Um, I had a son, wife, was in grad school. And the next year I, I worked at Spring Hill Camps in Everett, Michigan. And there's this great guy on staff named Jimmy Gretzinger. Um, he's part of Michigan Outdoors, uh, executive producer there. And Jimmy just took me under his wing. He was a couple years younger. He was a Michigan state grad. He was our videographer up there at camp. And he started teaching me how to grouse hunt and, and teaching me how to put a tree stand up in the right spot. And, and he was just laughing that I was a couple years older, but like, I had no idea what I was doing. I was so green. It was a good thing. I went to Michigan state for a while. Cause I was so green. That's all I could wear. You know, it's like, <laughs> I was, it was just stupid, dumb luck if I was getting deer, you know? Yeah. It's really interesting to see how, like, like you said, how when you meet one thing, like it just, it sparks something inside you. No different than, I I connect that to like, I mean, if you would have told me I was going to fish college bass tournaments (laughs) three years ago, I would have said you're insane. Like I just showed up to this little couple thousand square feet tackle shop and then 
fishing is pretty much what takes up 90% of my time now, which is insane to me because I never thought I'd be taking the third weekend in October to go catch brown trout instead of sitting in a tree stand. Right. <laughs> My dad was a little disappointed with me this past October because I took this <laughs> diehard bow hunter. Um, right, Freddie, right. Freddie, how did you get introduced into the outdoors? Yeah, so um, I grew up in Mississippi, so there's nothing to do there except for hunt and be outside or go fish. But my dad didn't grow up hunting. My mom didn't. My grandfather was a hunter, but my he raised four daughters and one time my aunt went out and he shot a buddy rabbit and my aunt started crying and went inside. So that was kind of the end of it all. And so um, my dad was a pastor. So we'd have people kind of just like, Hey, we're going to take you out. Like you're the pastor's son. So I guess I got to, and um, I went duck hunting and I'd go dove hunting and uh, deer hunting wasn't successful with deer until right before I moved, but pretty successful with ducks. Like I've been, I went out one time and did had a limit on wood ducks, like first time out. And I was like, this is pretty awesome. Um, you know, I could get into this. And then we moved up to Tennessee and um, didn't have land. So we went on with a buddy and he he took us out there and uh, I was with my dad. I, I just had screwed up my knee. I, walked three quarters of a mile on crutches to this deer stand and I was expecting my dad to shoot something because you know like he hasn't shot anything yet you know uh hasn't never killed a deer before and I, I hobble up one foot up this uh this tree stand with my dad and we have a deer walk out at 50 yards and uh he's like I don't have a shot I don't have a shot take it and I, I dropped it and it's one of the most memorable deer um I've taken and then hush my dog is whining for some reason um and then I, I shot another one by myself in Tennessee and then obviously uh married Betsy Shifty's daughter and the, I guess the rest is history there really got into deer hunting with them um traditional archery shot my first deer with a, a traditional bow two years ago and then shot my biggest buck last year with a gun so it's just like getting into it um, getting into bird hunting a little bit, uh, just cause I have a bird dog. So I don't really care about bird hunting. I just like seeing my dog work and that's about it. So yeah, yeah uh, kind of my story of hunting. So I think it's awesome how like that one thing branches into something so big and mm -hmm. then it never gets smaller. It just keeps growing and growing. Right. What kind of dog you got? I have a Boykin Spaniel. So, um, She's turning five this year. I, she's a COVID baby. Um, there's this Boykin Spaniel page on Instagram and, or on Facebook group. And, you know, we were in Florida for COVID uh, beginning of 2020 in March. And we heard that we weren't going back to college. And so we were going to move up with shifting Adrian because we didn't want to get stuck in an apartment. That was the plan anyways for the summer. So I look at Adrian Shifty. I was like, so can I get a dog? Because I wasn't going to. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to and then I would have to spring train it and um a lady contacted me with the breeder in Georgia and um she uh said I got this dog she's two years old two and a half years old um 
we just we just can't work with her because we just don't have the time to she's a little she needs uh she just needs a family um and so that's where we got willow willow come here she's very much a weekend warrior and i kind of threw her to the wolves the first year i took her out to south dakota for a pheasant hunt i had not hunted with her before and we she flushed a bird the first day and we shot it and I just started yelling like, yeah, let's go Willow, Willow. Like Willow, like we just, all of us like just started yelling because this was for Willow's first bird and like she flushed a bunch. And then now um, we just got done with a hunt in February on a preserve and she retrieved 12 of the 23 birds we shot, you know, flushed and, and, and retrieved with two other Boykins working with her. So um She's my baby and I love deer hunting more than I like bird hunting, but I just like working with my dog and working with Willow and, and seeing how she goes. So oh, yeah, dog's definitely the best part of bird hunting. I'll have to get up to the grouse and woodcock woods next year. Yeah, that's the plan. I, I, I want to get into the grouse uh up in Michigan for sure in October because kind of had a lull in the middle of October for deer season. So a lot um, of a lot of sits that were it's like ah, I should, probably should be shooting geese or ducks or something right now. So, got it right on. Come on up here, we'll get you on them. Yeah, let's do it. Um. So the next thing I wanted to go into would be kind of just some just some memorable stories from hunts that you guys have had. Um, just like one or two that really stick in your mind from before. I know Shifty, you've been on countless trips, whether it be Colorado, Canada. Australia. Um, have you been to? Is it <laughs> never been at all? Never been to Australia. Not Australia, Africa. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, it's it's all the same. It's on the southern end. <laughs> <laughs> um, and is it Iceland or Greenland that you've been to? Uh, I've been to. There's not much hunting in Iceland. Um, been to Iceland a few times, but uh, been to Greenland hunting muskox, and we're. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, you. I think you've seen. I'm looking at him right now. So he's, yeah. he's seen, you want you want a little flash on that guy up there on the on the fireplace and and uh, they're pretty cool looking. If I turn the lights down right, it looks like the Godfather up there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> gets that gets that kind of Marlon Brando look and and uh, um, but it. I think for me, I have this fear of, of normalcy. And I don't mean like I want to be abnormal. I mean, like if my schedule becomes monotonous, um, I get real down. You know what I mean? And so to me, I think you, you guys hunt and fish. So, the anticipation of going someplace is almost as good as being there. You, you know yeah. what I mean? It's just like, that's one, of, that's one of my favorite parts of the trip is the drive down because you just, the closer you get there, the more hyped up you get. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then, you know, you have the agony defeat coming home when you get skunked, but, but yeah, that's, that's part of what you have to learn to deal with. Uh, I know that one of our hunts in Africa it started with me and a friend going by the 
maybe a month or two planning, we were now taking our wives. And then, you know, a, a year later, um, we happened to lose two youth in our lives. Uh, some friends of ours lost a, a, a teenage daughter in a car accident and some other friends of ours buried their son. And I was like, man, life's too short. We're taking the kids. And my wife was like, I agree, let's do it. And so they, we, we toted them along behind us and back in 2006 and they were like seven, seven years old and 12 years old or 11 years old. And, and people were like, Oh man, I want to be your kid, you know, <laughs> but you know, they, once we did something like that, you know, we would say something like, Oh, you, you know, do you want to go to a music park? And they'd be like, no, let's, let's go someplace like that. Let's go to Africa again. And let's, and you know, when you, ha when you're sitting like in a blind with your daughter and she's operating a video camera and she has her book to read, and she's filming you and your wife or, you know, the hunting and you give her a role as a videographer and she brings a laptop and she's downloading things. I never expected her to become a videographer or something like that, but just to give her the opportunity to play with the concepts, um, it, it gave her a sense of, of a job or a skill or a role in that hunt. And, and, you know, my kids both saw like rhinoceros come in and drink at a water hole or giraffe come in and drink, um, at a water hole. They spread those front legs way out far to get the neck down and, um, you know, it's those things that, yeah, you can go to like animal kingdom at, at Disney and, and that's great if that's the first experience you have with those animals. But, um, this was really cool for me. We were driving in the back of a Land Rover our first night in Africa. We flew in and, uh, you know, a huge flight from, we went from, New York to um, Heathrow in London. We had a 12-hour layover there, and then we flew that night to Johannesburg, and then like a four-hour drive. And I was like the biggest bobblehead there ever was in a vehicle because I couldn't sleep on the flights at all. You know, <laughs> yeah. the van ride was putting me sleep, and you're going, you're driving through the bush felt, and you're get, you just know you're going to see a kudu cross the road, and of course nothing crossed the road <laughs> but, you know you're just you're waiting for a herd of something to run and you get you know we we really south africa is a huge country and a beautiful country and you drive out and we got in this land cruiser and they just wanted to drive us around and they're like look at all the giraffe over there and i couldn't find a giraffe for anything and i'm like I'm, I see deer before anybody else at home. I, I see, you know, how do I not see these? And, and the guide's like, do you see the, the, there's two males and a few females. Do you see them over there? And I was like, what are you, are you guys playing a joke on me? He goes, Where are you looking? And I'm like, I'm looking at the forest. They're like, look above the forest. And then you realize there's all these heads through the trees and you're like oh there they are and it just changes everything and that's that's like the the joy of it all is experiencing things in in new places and, and new things new species and stuff like that yeah i mean 
you can tell Freddie's a dog guy. I mean, he, I talk more about the a venison backstrap and he talks more about his dog, you know, and, and he loves like what he's done with Willow and in a year and a half is or two years now is just amazing. And what's today? The 16, six, six four days, days, 14 hours four and 37 yeah, seconds. In four days, it'll be <laughs> two years. Yeah. So. It's, it's really sweet. That's one of my favorite parts about like hunting, fishing, whatever is having opportunities to go to all these places. Like my, I think it was, I think one of the trips that will always stick in my mind for hunting is my freshman year of college. I went to, I went to, I got to go to Texas to hunt whitetails with my dad. And uh, that was just really crazy to me because I'm so used to hunting like, like timber for deer where this was all, real short like scrub trees and like dead grass everywhere and it was really sweet to see those deer in like a totally different environment and then seeing other things like armadillos running around armadillos <laughs> armadillos are the squirrels of texas because <laughs> they you hear them they make more noise than the squirrels coming through that tall grass and you think it's a giant and then you look down and there's this little shell just waddling across and you're like yeah, right son of a bee yeah <laughs> and it's just sweet that you can go to different places like that and like witness all that kind of stuff too like why the wild pigs down there like it was kind of weird to see like i i was expecting like boar but they're just farm pigs running around the middle yeah. of nowhere out there it's nuts it's really sweet to oh, yeah. just get to experience all that kind of different stuff like that uh freddie would you say sticks in your head the most for a hunting trip or hunting memory well, I'm still so green at it that like everything is so cool to me. <laughs> like, like if I'm being like, I think for deer, it's like definitely my first traditional archery kill. Like I remember every moment that day. Like I remember I had a button buck and a spike, which I didn't know I could shoot either. Like the little spike, cause it was like three inches and under. I didn't know I could shoot it. I had a coyote walked right in front of me. And then I remember like, it's getting dark. Okay. Like it's about time to go. And then I just hear something like from the right side walking up. And so I just get up and I get, I get an arrow knocked. I'm ready. And I just see this, this deer walk in front and I put it right through the shoulder blade, through the lungs and it went 60 yards. And like, I just remember like, I think I was, we were tracking it and Shifty's like, call out blood. And I'm like, blood, blood, blood. And he, he just like, after like 59 yards, he goes, look up. And I look up like two feet in front of me and there's this deer. <laughs> I would have stepped right on it. Um, and then like uh, turkey hunting. Turkey hunting's funny because if you ask just like. Turkey is uh, my nemesis. The first season, he's like, hey, let's go turkey hunting. And the first day we're like we're crawling like in the mud through this field, like just, just like crawling up on this flock. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, this is cool. Like I'm going to get a Turkey today. I got a shotgun and I'm because like I, I was in college at the time. So I didn't have any of my shotguns at, you know, obviously not in the dorm. Uh, yeah. So they're all down South with my parents. So I'm using shifty shotgun and I'm going to blame the shotgun every single time. So, uh, <laughs> 
through the through the couple of seasons that, that, it took that is the one shotgun i have that has a curved barrel <laughs> yeah so i'm crawling and i just shoot and i'm like looking for this 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 bird to go down and i hear shoot again keep shooting because apparently I, I obviously didn't hit it so it took me three seasons to finally kill a turkey i shot a jake and the third season it was covid I was like, we're putting, I was like, I told Shifty, I'm, I'm putting time in. I wanted to shoot one with my grandfather's gun. He gave it to me when, or my grandmother gave it to me when he passed away, when I was like eight years old, hadn't, he hadn't shot like that gun had not taken an animal in like 30, 40 years. And so I had that in blind. Uh, I had a big old Tom that Shifty shot uh, had like a, 12 or 13 inch beard that was just out of range. And of course I text him like, Hey, there's a Tom coming to you. And he goes, okay. And he's looking around. And then all of a sudden, like 10 minutes later, bam, he goes, I got it. Like, oh, <laughs> of course he did. But I shot a Jake with, with my grandfather's gun. And I was like, man, that's like, that's pretty cool. You know, like hasn't that gun hasn't gotten an animal in 40 years, probably 30 plus years. And, I've taken a couple of pheasants and geese and ducks with that with willow. So it's like every hunt to me is like right now. I'm like, these are all a lot of fun. Like these are just, I'm enjoying every moment. So uh, and I'm sure I will, as I get older, you know, even with all the hunts, it's just a lot of fun to be out there and take some time away, get out of the city a little bit and get outside and relax a little bit. Yeah. The journeys you take hunting and fishing. I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable. You wouldn't think that you'd ever be doing it until you're actually in the process and going. You're like, yeah, all this is actually happening. Absolutely. I never thought I'd ever own a bird dog, honestly. Like, and this year I'm I'm doing a hunt test for Willow in June. So, like, never done that. Like, just fresh for everything. Just trying to experience it all and, and see how it goes. Yeah, that's sweet. The dog test would be sweet, man. That's you'll yeah. see a lot of amazing dogs plus your your own dog. <laughs> oh yeah, we were. I felt bad. We were at this past pheasant hunt, and this one guy, he's got his dog trained. Whistle sits like this dog. He blows the whistle. It sits, looks at him. He go, he goes right. This dog runs to the right side, and like here's you know the guy shoots the gun, and the dog sits on the flush. And Willow's just running after the bird every single time. And she's like, I'm getting all those birds there. I don't know why these dogs are sitting down on the flush. Like that bird's up in the air. You got to be chasing. She's passing all these dogs. And I'm like, that's, I don't know if I want to change that in her, but you know, it's just funny to see different dogs. Like it, it's really cool to see everyone hunts a different way for sure. That's what I'm learning. Everyone's got their own way. And there's like, kind of a general way you can hunt different things in certain areas obviously but everyone has their own little their own little secret their own little trick up their sleeve so yeah. right on i we've we've had fun this very memorable for me this last couple of years because freddie has uh three younger siblings and and one of his brothers has come up and hunted with me he's gotten into archery and and you know he's shooting a longbow and and uh he hunted really hard 
five and a half, six days. I mean, he sat, we sat morning, evening, morning, evening, morning, evening, day after day after day. And we were just grinding it out. And I was just doing everything I could to put this kid on deer. And, um, but his, this young man's passion, Sam has this passion for it. And you're like, this is fantastic. And then this year he came up with Freddie and, and the weather just, it just peaked in heat and humidity. And finally we did, I just said, let's, we're done. Like, let's go after some, let's go after some geese and ducks. And we got out there and Sam got his first duck. And so, you know, he came up with expectations to, to get a deer and it didn't happen, you know, two years in a row. And he, he was able to get a deer a couple of years back down in Tennessee where he lives, uh, shot a six point and, but for him to get a duck and okay, it, sometimes you just gotta, you know, put that down and move to something else because, uh, after all we want to eat and, and, uh, you know, we, we had some, some good food. So he makes his own arrows too. Yeah. He, he made some wooden arrows for me and I, sh I shot a couple pigs with those and he's, uh, he's 17 now turning 18 in May, but he made those when he was 16 and just, just loves it. It's, it's funny to see. Should yeah. It was your arrows, don't you? Um, yeah, I've made quite a few over the years I made some for family and friends. And, um, I, it depends on what I'm hunting. Like, uh, hunting, uh, in Africa, I, I used wooden arrows on one hunt. The next hunt I used, uh, grizzly sticks because I wanted a heavy, I had an 800 grain arrow out of my longbow and, and, uh, you know, it, it, it might not be that fast, but not a whole lot is going to stop it. You know, two blade yeah. broadhead. And, and I mean, we shot, you know, people are always amazed. I mean, it was taken with, uh, this longbow here, I took a, a 2000 pound Yeland with an 800 grain arrow and a longbow, you know, and people are like, you can do that. How far did it go? How many arrows? It was one arrow that went 35 yards and fell over dead, you know, and it's just, it's about hitting the animals right. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's Adrian on that hunt. She was shooting a 38 pound compound with the heaviest arrow that we could get through it, which was about just shy of 500 grains, about, about 475. And she killed a world record animal. She shot a blessed buck that scored number one in the world at the time. And, and she shot a kudu and she uh, shot a gemsbach, made a great shot on the gemsbach. And, 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 uh, you know, those are tough animals. The gemsbach are, they're tough. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun when it's a family event, you know, I mean, we went on a hunt. I told everybody, don't shoot everything. The first, anything, the first day in Africa. And I had the Elon down the ground at nine o'clock the first morning. Yeah. My son's like, well, I thought you said, don't shoot anything on the first day. And, and I was like, it, it scored number seven in the world with a bow. And he goes, well, I guess that's different then. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is it? So like when you're, when you're making like, so when you say you like make your arrows like that and like you're using your longbow and like, so when you make your arrows in the house and then you take it to the field and take an animal like that way, does it make it that much more better because it was all, because you put that much more work into it and it's more self-gratifying? 
Have you ever tied a fly, Hunter? Yes. Okay. You catch a fish on it? Yep. Have you so, made a rod yet? No, not yet. I, I kind of want to try that, actually. So Adrian, my, my wife, has a, a bamboo like, fishing rod, not a fly rod, but a fishing rod that her grandfather made for her when she was a little girl. And, but like when you tie a fly or you make your own lure or, you know, you, well, even I, maybe there was a time in your life where you picked the spot you were going to sit at to hunt, or you picked the tree where you were going to put your tree stand and then it all comes together and you harvest from your setup. That's pretty fun. You yeah. know, I, I think a lot of landowners feel the same way this year. Um, during archery, Adrian shot a really nice uh, eight point, um, her best year ever. And Freddie shot a really great eight point during opening day of firearm. And I was just on cloud nine that they got these deer. I mean, this is the land we place the tree stands. This is our second year on this property. And, you know, grooming it a little bit enough to get access to some good spots. But like when you spend time on your property developing at food plots or whatever, and people start having the time of their life hunting, that's as much fun. I mean, that's as good, if not better than if I would have got either of those deer, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's really sweet to like put work into something and then see the results come from that. Well, it's taking that each aspect that you're using, whether it's training your own dog, building your own arrow, putting up that food plot, putting up that tree stand, going scouting that field. I mean, it's all those aspects that you get to do that result in a better hunt or fishing trip. Oh yeah. You're, you're absolutely correct. I think you two just said something and Freddie said something earlier about raising and training or training willow and having that first flush. There's something that, that, and, and I'm not here to bash your generation of, of, of young people, but you all just use when you put the term, when you put the work in and you put work into something, the rewards you get from that. We just don't hear that as much these days. There's, I think there's too many people that think if I get the most powerful gun or the most expensive weapon or firearm or bow or crossbow or if i get the most expensive camouflage then i'll be successful and that really has so little to do with it it's 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 learning it's having the work ethic and it's being persistent and i think we see that with a lot of young hunters and fishermen who are really enjoying it for the right reasons yeah yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times you'll see guys get caught up in, oh, I got to have Sitka. I got to have. <laughs> right. Whatever. All that. Or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The best bow, the best, whatever, the best fly rod, fishing rods, whatever it be. I mean, if you're not putting in those hours that it takes to. The blood, sweat and tears of hard work. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. 50% of the bows behind me, I purchased used. And they had somebody else's name on them. And I sanded that part off under the varnish and just put some clear coat over it. Like <laughs> I have, I have a couple custom bows, but a lot of things I just pick, you know, 
I picked it up here and there and made it special for me. Yeah. You know, there's some bows up here that have, you know, uh, the, the lowest one has, you know, I took two caribou with that bow, you know, and I designed that bow, but my wife's uncle built that bow to our specs. And, and then it's got some wood in there that came from a sailboat that my wife grew up on. And my daughter has the other, the matching bow to that as well. And so that's what I find kind of neat with traditional archery is sometimes uh, like I made a batch of arrows for a hunt and I was teaching school at the time and I had each hour sign an arrow and the first arrow, first hour arrow is what I used to, to shoot my, my red heart of beast. And then, and I would post that picture on Facebook and said, Hey, look, first hour, I, I got a red heart of beast. And that was in the summer. And all these kids were like, Oh, I signed that arrow, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just tried to like, I didn't know if any of those kids would ever get there. And, and some of them, you know, might, uh, go on a hunt like that one day, but I wanted them to, to share a part of that with me, you know? And, I can, I mean, that could have been the turning point of them getting into the outdoors too. Some yeah. little things like that, that mean so, so much. Yeah. That's, we were, we took a little period of time and built bows during lunch break in my eighth grade science class for a few years. And, and, uh, they were building, um, either Osage bows or hickory long bows. And, and one of those young men built this bow. He worked on it got blisters and splinters and the next year during bow season he told his dad he was going to hunt with that his dad his dad said something like you can't kill a deer with that or whatever and well, mr shiflet does all the time or whatever and he went out and sat in a tree stand came back like two hours later and he's like hey can you help me get a deer out and his dad's like you didn't get a deer <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did. <laughs> and he went out and dragged the deer back on his own and, and his dad's like how the, you know what how do you like that and he's like well uh you know i just figured i could do it if other people can you know yeah it's really sweet to like see like that's one of my favorite parts about being like an outdoorsman too is like the impacts you can have on other people who who might not ever have the chance to like get into it like mm-hmm. or met them or you know what i'm saying like like i don't know there's this one time we were at the woods and water show in emily city this past year i was there with the team or whatever and this little this kid came up and he's like are you guys really tournament fishermen i was like yeah i mean he's like can i have your guys' autographs <laughs> Um, I was just like dude I was like my signature ain't gonna be worth nothing (laughs) sure it was like but it was just sweet to like see like other people will like admire you to a certain extent just because you hunt or fish or whatever and that'll impact them like that kid might end up fishing tournaments one day that kind of stuff is sweet Or, or he might end up taking his kids fishing yeah, yeah, exactly. And just just because he realized that this is something we pass on and and or or the neighbor kids, you know. Um that that's what's so fun is I think um I've had the privilege of helping a, about a hundred people build bows, like long bows. 
you know, in the last 20 years. And, and that's so fun to watch a kid, whether they're going to hunt or not, just to do a project like that work ethic, just start a project and finish a project. And I had some parents come in and say, my daughter wants to build a bow. Like what, what are we even getting into here? And I was like, well, this is, it's just fun. It's just archery. And then years later, of course, brave came out. And then the, <laughs> what's the, the mocking Jay, the, oh, um, the hunger yeah. game. Hunger yeah. Games. yeah, that came out. And then every, I would get messages on Facebook. Oh, my daughter wants a bow. Where do I get a bow? And, <laughs> and I just sent them to all these links. And, and, uh, I mean, I remember, uh, a few years back, I bought a left-handed bow at an auction because a friend of mine who's passed away since then built it. And it was going for far too little money at an auction. And I just, I bid it and I, and I bought this thousand dollar bow for like 450 bucks. And I was like, what do I do with a left-handed bow? Like, I, uh, <laughs> well, we kept it around for a few years and lo and behold, Betsy marries a guy who's left-handed, you know, so. The oddball out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I took a deer. With, that was my first deer. Was with yeah. That right. Like, I remember like I came up to Michigan and I'm like first time meeting Shifty, Adrian, like in this house. I'm like, this is a really good cool house and betsy's like this house is absolutely terrible compared to the old house i used to live in because they were redoing this old house oh yeah right 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 and i'm like this is awesome i could live like this like this is kind of my dream yeah. and i betsy's, remember oh. i don't know who bet's complaining about that new house and you guys moved in there. and then <laughs> i showed up i showed up the one day and i was like what the hell are you talking about this place is <laughs> Well, well, you didn't pull the carpet up like she did. She was like, I pulled that carpet up. But, you know, I get this bow and this family is like, we have this left-handed bow. Here you go. And I was like, this is my first time staying here and you're giving me this bow. Like, I that was the coolest thing to me. Like, the coolest hunting, the, this is the coolest piece of hunting equipment I've ever received and I think I ever will receive is that left-handed bow. And I was like, you know, I, I hunted the next season. I, I came close to a deer and it just didn't feel right. And then the next season after that, like shot my first deer with that. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah, just, you'll have that bow forever now. Yeah. That that's going to get passed down to the, my kids and, and their kids and, and their kids. So whether they're left-handed or not, yeah, unless yeah, someone, <laughs> someone's going to learn how to shoot left-handed, whether they like it or not. I don't care. <laughs> They can be ambidextrous. I don't really care, but someone's shooting left-handed. <laughs> you're going to be backwards and you're going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. Figure it out. You know, you know, the guy that built that bow is a friend of mine, uh, just an uh, incredible guy named Tom Parsons. And he passed away. Um, gosh, I want to think about this time last year. And, and um, you know, he, he was getting up there in years, but Tom – made so many beautiful bows and he had a company called Kim Shaw archery and uh, Tom every year would donate bows to different organizations and Kim Shaw would donate bows, at least one bow to 
Compton traditional bow hunters. And there's a lot of companies like Blackwood Archery does the same. Bear Archery does the same. Um, uh, I know that uh, Greg Darling has the, what's the kilted Kalamazoo bow? bow. Yeah, Kalamazoo they, bow. Yeah. And then um, Jeff Coffey out of uh, Java Man Archery, he donates bows to Michigan. And, and I think, you know, you asked me, we were joking about traditional archery and giving you a hard time about shooting uh, a wheelie bow hunter, but I'm a bow hunter first. You know, I really am. I'm a bow hunter first. And I just put, I just have fun with the traditional archery. It's my golf. It's my therapy. And so to me, it's like, it, it's a love hate relationship, but you can always get better. You can always master the bow and, 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 you know, my kids, I never told them that's what they had to shoot. One chose to shoot traditional one. Didn't my wife did for a little while and she shoots a crossbow now. And it, it, it puts us in the woods together. And some people just seem to be so conflicted with that, that you can have a traditional archer walking out into a field with a person who has a crossbow and they're both companions hunting in the field. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're all there for the same reason. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think that a, a fly, a fly fisherman can share a sandwich or uh, have a beer on the bank with a spinning, a guy with a spinning rod in his hand after all, like we're all working the same river and if the fly fisherman thinks that spinning rod guy has that much more of an advantage, then he needs to get a spinning rod. Like, you know, he needs to, you know, don't be bitter because someone else has chosen that method. Yeah. Um, get better at what you're doing. So you might challenge that person to join you, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a, that's a huge thing that more people need to focus on. Yeah. Especially yeah. today with technology. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite things as a landowner that I've had a few parcels around Michigan is when I meet the neighbors, I've always said, if you ever get a deer down, just come and get me. I'll help you. And well, what if it's late? You're never going to bother me to get a deer. And multiple neighbors over the year I've, I've met, the very first deer that crossed the property line, that's when our friendship began, not ended. And helping them track that deer and helping them recover that deer and throwing it in my tractor or my truck to get it back to their house. Um, to me, that's just, that's what it's all about. Like if we're truly sportsmen out there, then we need to um, stop bickering between ourselves over method or, who's better, who's cooler, or, you know, who's on the land longer, you know, and we need to clean these rivers up and, uh, um, you know, take care of the woods and, you know, keep, keep the trash out of them. And we all need to be working as sportsmen to, to kind of set the bar higher for the, either the new people coming in or people we share the woods with. Yeah, exactly. I think that's our perfect note that we'll end on for this week. Yeah. We're at about our time. Um, is there anything you guys would like to add before we leave? Yeah, just ship these for the children. 
<laughs> the children. The new garlic Please, salt. I know you're going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> the new garlic salt is available on the website. Um, yeah. It's also got tons of like merch and apparel and other stuff on the website. We'll have the website link in our bio. So you guys can check that out there. Um, Colin? As Shifty said, we need to come together as sportsmen. Always remember that because at the end of the day, we're all there for the same reason. Right and lastly, get Shifties because you will not regret it. It goes good on everything. <laughs> hey, let's do some grouses here and yep. uh, up, up north. Let's go chase some grouse. And yep. I got a I got a tent teepee um, with a stove. We'll get up there and shoot some, and I'll cook. How's that sound? Sounds good Sounds to me. Good to me. I, I know uh, I knew what Shifties hook up. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. We appreciate you guys coming on tonight. Yeah. yeah thanks, thank, thanks for the invite. For sure, man. We'll talk to you guys soon. All right. All right. Cheers. Peace. See ya.